0: The pandemic has shown us that remote workers armed with existing technology can successfully execute the day-to-day tasks necessary to the practice of law. However, we also have experienced the limitations of technology in other key aspects of law firm life, including building and maintaining professional relationships, supervising matters and lawyers, and training junior lawyers and staff. Effectively navigating these facets of remote work will be essential to success going forward. And that is the topic of this episode of Speaking of Law Firm Leadership. I'm Joe Peach, Senior Counsel in Law Firm Management Services at ALAS, and with me again today is James Goodnow. James is the President and CEO of Fenimore Craig PC. In addition to his law practice and firm management responsibilities, James is known for his thought leadership at the intersection of law and business. He has been featured in the American Lawyer and the ABA Journal, among other outlets, and is the co-author of a book on motivating millennials. Welcome back, James. Eager to continue our conversation. Likewise. Now, the shift to remote work during the pandemic has taught us a lot about what today's technology can do and where it reaches its limits. To start, what are some of the positive lessons from remote work that you think are here to stay?
1: Well, I think we've, we've learned a lot, and this was... (laughs) <laughs> Something that certainly would not have happened organically or not for a really long time. You mentioned here in, in your windup that this can work. And I think we, we truly have demonstrated that's true. Um, the way we operate as, as lawyers and legal professionals allows us to communicate through technology using computers and uh, it gets the job done. Doesn't mean that there's not more to be done, not better technology that exists, but we've by and large been able to do the core tasks Remotely, Some court appearances or some meetings still taking place, but um, that I think in and of itself has been significant and brings its own set of lessons in terms of efficiency and how we can operate remotely and better connect with clients. But what we're also seeing at a very human level is that people like this. Um, We certainly have seen that internally. Uh, We like many law firms survey our people and you can see all kinds of surveys that exist in the broader business world. We see that there's a strong appetite for this. So uh, I think that from a retention standpoint is something that can be, I would say, give you an advantage, but I'm not sure that's true anymore. I think that's something that can help you remain competitive. Uh, With so many businesses and law firms now moving in the world of offering flexibility, um, I think it's necessary that we have that, but we have to figure out how to do it in a way where we still get the job done. Um, We minimize mistakes We collaborate, we have culture, and uh, we deliver the high-quality product that we always have. And that, I think, is where um, we're all trying to figure out the best way to do that.
0: I don't disagree that more remote work may be inevitable and may even have some positive aspects. But what about those who worry that it will undercut firm culture, mentorship, supervision, training?
1: I think these are fair concerns. Let's start there, right? These are all core elements of successful law firms. And if, if you don't have a strong culture that ties people together, that's not good. Um, if you don't have mentoring and training, uh, you're not going to develop the strongest lawyers possible it's, and legal professionals. They're all true and clearly needs to be focused on. But I also think there can be uh, a tendency to overstate some of these concerns or and because it's, I'm sure, in large part, a fear of the unknown. And saying, well, we've never built culture or trained remotely before, therefore we can't do it. And and that sort of thinking, I think, is inaccurate and, and leads to a place where firms will not be able to hang on to the, the talented professionals that they have. So in my mind, it means going back to the playbook and saying, well, what is it really that's been been driving Uh, Our culture, you know, is it really that we're just all in the same building? And you know, that's not always true. I mean, if you're in the same building and you're a lawyer with your door closed all the time, you're not really building a lot of culture, or you're not doing a lot of training. Um, But it is that interaction. So I think it's coming up with strategies to figure out how you can provide the flexibility that employees want and that you need, frankly, to attract and retain top talent but then also taking the best elements of what you did in person and figuring out how can we translate that to a remote world? And if we can't, how do we do it then in person in a way that still provides flexibility? So that is going to be uh, the challenge that law firms have over the coming years.
0: Well, and I certainly take your point on, on this being, you know, a good time to reevaluate certain aspects of culture and approach, but whatever the culture and approach are or become, you have to be able to convey, foster, and maintain that ethos in those that you lead, right?
1: Absolutely. So the question is, how do do you do that? I would say that we've managed to get to a point where um, through a combination of having more intentional, deliberate trainings, get-togethers, and now coupling those as we're we're moving to the post-pandemic world with with in-person contact, we're able, in fact, to strengthen those areas. And that is is what I would say to any law firm is, it's kind of just a given like, oh, these things are gonna just be damaged. I don't think that's true. I think if you do it right, you can strengthen it. So for us, we're now having way more all hands meetings than we ever did and we're doing it by Zoom. We're able to get our partners together more regularly, more often. And for if we have an an issue to discuss, people can get together very quickly as opposed to having to schedule an in-person meeting and order a bunch of foods to get people together and then schedules might prevent that from happening. Um, And we've been able to increase communication and contact with our staff members and associates. So we've never had more of that, which I think has been a great thing for the firm. And and now, as we kind of look to the future here, the third and fourth quarter of this year, we're starting to see things like our firm retreat on the horizon. So I think we're not going to stop doing this more frequent and regular communication with our employees and lawyers. And we're going to couple that with the best of what we saw before so that in my mind is is where the future is going and how at least for us we're going to maintain that ethos and um, build culture
0: you've identified and explained some examples from your firm but let's talk now about what you think leaders generally
1: should be focused on in this regard so if we start with the basic proposition that we need to have connections and that a lot of those connections in the pre-pandemic world were coming haphazardly or informally. You're walking down the hall and you see someone and and you start chatting about life and then you talk about a case and that is a way you could foster that. Or you do the office pop in when you think of something and you just uh, go talk to them in the office. So the question is with those sorts of interactions not being there as often, how do you replicate those? And really the only answer is you have to be intentional about how you do it. You're not gonna replicate those. And I think too many lawyers are just saying, well, if I'm not interacting with them in the hallway that I'm not interacting with them, wrong answer, (laughs) wrong answer. And so what what I think uh, law firm leaders need to think about is, well, how do we then ensure that these interactions take place? So a couple of examples, besides having more kind of big meetings like we talked about, but another example is thinking about the smaller meetings. So if you're a partner and you're working on a case, a deal, A litigation matter with an associate or two, set a standing meeting. Um, Say, you know, every Wednesday, every Monday and Thursday, we're going to block time on the calendar to make sure we're talking about what's going on to answer questions. And this is not limited to lawyers. I know with my legal administrative assistant, we speak every morning by phone or by Zoom to make sure we're saying, what are we working on today? How are we getting the job done? Do we have any questions? Every single day. And I know that I will, I guess I would say I would surmise that that's not happening across the industry as much as it should be. And that was kind of something that used to happen informally. I'd come into the office and I would see my legal admin, we'd chat about it, but it wasn't a standing meeting. So now that needs to go on the calendar to make sure that it happens. The second piece I I would say is, is this, to build those bonds, you need to make sure that's happening. And what we're doing as a firm is we're saying, okay, we need to make sure we're scheduling as, of course, we can do so safely, more get-togethers that are going to be for the purpose of solidifying those bonds. And sometimes we think it would happen in the five minutes before a meeting, and some of that could happen there. But it's going to be even better um, if you're having more coffees, more lunches, uh, more get-togethers where you can really Um, Get to know your colleagues, and that will, of course, help with retention and help build loyalty and help people feel good and and build those connections. But it's got to be scheduled. I guess that's my magic word of the day is get these things scheduled and on the calendar or it's not going to happen.
0: I should point out that from the Alas perspective, we do see great value in face-to-face interaction, including in a traditional office setting. Among other things, it makes it easier to move beyond the mere transactional nature of work and towards professional relationship bonds, not to mention its positive impact on mentorship, supervision, and training. That said, I also think it makes good sense, as you suggest, that firms think deliberately and intentionally about how to use in-person interaction and office work to accomplish those things based on their firm's individual characteristics and circumstances. Now, taking a step back, you yourself have deployed the more deliberate, intentional approach we've been discussing in leading your firm. What's your experience been in that regard?
1: I think uh, after a little trial and error, it's been positive, right? So everyone was so focused. I remember March 15th, 2020, vividly, as uh, when the text message and email went out that we are going to be remote, and you just feel your stomach drop. Like, how on earth are we going to do this? And I think honestly uh, our firm and every firm for the a good part of last year was just focused on how do we technologically accomplish this like we got to make sure the work gets done documents are transmitted signatures are gathered clients are informed and uh, not that we didn't want to focus on culture but I mean you know you got to deal with you got a fire burning got to deal with the fire and I think that's where everyone was focused now as we were able to get that, You know, all the systems deployed, people armed with laptops and get everything functioning. Now we start realizing, okay, now we have to be more layered in this. We need to start thinking about these deliberate efforts like we've discussed, the more frequent all hand Zoom meetings, like getting things on the calendar, like now coupling that with in-person events. And I think it's I think it's been successful, not to say that we don't have a lot of room for improvement here, but we continue to get feedback that people are appreciating the transparency, appreciating the communication. Um, We've also another strategy we've deployed is we use a lot more video messages. So it used to be if a message needs to come out from the management committee, or if I have to send one out, you know, I just type out an email and people get hundreds of emails a day and it can get lost in the shuffle. But now we actually have videos that we send out um, to have core messages and that may be coupled with writings as well. But again, it gives people more interaction. So I think the increased level of communication has actually helped us with a lot of the culture. And I think as we move forward with technology and on the training side, we're seeing it's working. Uh, we have, as we're rolling out a remote working long term plan, we do have in it that we'd like to see associates that are junior on site more new employees on site more, because I do think there's just some critical training that takes place on site. And then as people get that fundamental skill set, then I think you can have more flexibility. So I think it's coupling technology and increased communication with finding the appropriate places for the in-person physical presence to maximize um, the benefits of supervision and training.
0: Well, let's talk a bit more about mentorship, supervision and training all of which are so important to firm culture and also to avoiding mistakes and risky behavior. It seems like many of the things we just discussed regarding culture also relate to a large extent to uh, these topics as well.
1: Yeah, they do. And I think this is really going to be one of the areas that requires the most amount of focus. A couple of things I would note here. So training takes lots of different forms. And you know we, we talk about it in a broad sense, but you have... Um, large-scale training, like every firm has, and every good to last firm, of course, is going to make sure we're getting mandatory trainings and kind of um, specific topics that will apply to everyone on security training or anti-harassment training. Um, then you have uh, different types of practice area-specific training, perhaps litigators, how do they take depositions or prepare for court? And then you would drill even deeper down to specific training on writing and a very specific uh, area or practice and how in a one-on-one context, how does that work? So training is broad here. At the broadest level, we've actually found that video conferencing Zoom works better for the big training. Uh, That's especially true with law firms that have offices in many locations as we do. We have nine offices across the country. And um, when you have in-person training, that's a hybrid meeting hosted in what is probably the firm's largest location. In our case at Fenimore, that would be in Phoenix. Uh The hybrid meetings don't work so well um, in those big environments. The best case is you have everyone together in one room. I think that is best, but that's not going to happen with nine offices or law firms that have multiple offices or people who are working remotely. So uh, the hybrid meeting in my mind is about the worst option because Yeah, for whatever group of people that's there on site in person, they get a good experience. But everyone else, I always say, is an observer of what's going on. It's hard to hear often. There's side conversations taking place. It's hard to interject and ask questions. You don't feel like a true participant. So we, in those big contexts, have set Zoom as the standard. It levels the playing field. Everyone can hear clearly. We have people turn on their videos to make sure they're engaged and paying attention and we tend to get good participation when we do that. And that takes some effort. I mean, literally at the start of every meeting, we say, you know, make sure you mute, make sure your videos are on. I remind people of that. And then we roll. And that's a better experience. So someone in our Las Vegas office has the same experience as in our Phoenix office, that has the same experience as in our Sacramento office. Um, I think that's important. Kind of moving down, I would say that in terms of the, the smaller types of training, you've got you've to gotta then figure out how it works and can you do it remotely. I think for writing, you certainly can. If an associate prepares a, a memo or a motion, there's no reason you can't get on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or, or phone and go over the changes. Uh, but there are some things where you're going to need to be in person. We run a mock trial program for all of our litigators. And we certainly will have a virtual component of that now with so many hearings, but they're still going to get in the courtroom. And uh, we need to make sure we're training them for that as well. So uh, those are some of the experiences we've seen, um, finding the right way to thread the needle, being creative, uh, but still using in-person when you need to.
0: Well, with that good advice and those good insights, we'll have to stop there. Uh, but thank you, James, for joining us today. Very much appreciate you sharing these firsthand experiences with us. Thanks for having me, Joe. Until next time, this has been Speaking of Law Firm Leadership. This podcast is provided for educational purposes, to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2021 by Attorneys Liability Assurance Society. All rights reserved.